Welcome to Conversations from the Front Porch. My name is Leslie Cordy and I will be the host for the podcast series on lifelong learning lessons. Today, joining me on the Front Porch is Michael Wooten, who's a professor of biology at Auburn University. Welcome, Michael. Hi, Leslie. It's good to have you here with us today. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and perhaps you're interested in lifelong learning or adult education? Uh, sure, be happy to. Uh, I'm, uh, as you said, at Auburn University, which, uh, because we're hopefully reaching a, a wide audience here, uh, is a public university, uh, state-run university uh, located in the southern United States. We're, in, of course, in the state of Alabama. And we're about 160 kilometers uh, southwest of Atlanta. Um, it's a mid-sized university. We currently have about, about uh, 28,000 students, a mix of graduate, undergraduate programs, including uh, PhD, masters, etc. Um, I'm in the College of Science and Mathematics, and I have been here for 35 years. I've taught a, a variety of undergraduate and graduate courses, uh, everything in genetics, population genetics, statistics, uh, from anything from uh, a few students uh, to large lectures of over 300 uh, individuals. Uh, different formats of uh, just face-to-face -face standard lecturing, hybrid lecturing, and uh, I've developed some of the first fully online courses um, and one of the things I, I think I'm most proud of is that uh, about 25 years ago, we started developing um, an active learning instructional laboratory for general genetics, where we reconfigured the entire approach to the way we were teaching the labs um, and moved, uh, at least for general genetics, moved it on to a VM system so that we could uh, have uh, virtual fly labs and virtual electrophoresis labs working. So I've taught in a number of different environments, all, of course, in the university system. Well, thank you, Michael. Um, obviously, we could hear the vast amount of experience that you have and your sort of passion for learning and, and working with um, students in the higher education environment. So we're, we're lucky to have you here to talk about some of those uh, best practices or strategies for working with with students and helping them become lifelong learners. So the topic that we're chatting about today is actually actually helping students transition um, to becoming lifelong learners. And I know it's a, a topic that you're very familiar with and um, I'd like to see if you wanna share some thoughts about that. Uh, sure, uh, The um, I guess we're just, we're chatting when we have many times always enjoyed chatting with you about this, this topic and, uh, and the idea of adult learning here being that we're moving students, they're already adults, obviously young adults when they come to university, but we're moving them toward uh, this concept that for the rest of their lives are going to be lifelong learners. And uh, certainly in, in all areas of the university, but certainly in ours where we have uh, a lot of pre-med majors, uh, pre-farm, pre-dent, uh, pre-vet. Uh, we, and their graduate students, many individuals going into graduate school, it's very important that we try to instill in them that they're going to spend the rest of their life being learners, you know, uh, that they need to understand the, the techniques and things that will help them progress as they go through as lifelong learners. So this idea of, of transitioning these students, and as we've talked about a number of times, I mean, um, 
the, the university seems to be a place where we do the transitioning, at least in, in the United States. Um, a lot of time is spent in K through 12 before they get to the university level, uh, sort of uh, learning terminology, learning how to take tests, you know, learning basic skills. Um, but it becomes a little bit more difficult to have them think about problem solving, pulling together ideas, multiple concepts. At least that's been my experience. It's, it's difficult. Yeah. And so I've been kind of, you know, interested in how we do that, right? Um, right. And, and of course, there's, you know, lots of techniques people are applying. It's not a, just us thinking about this. There's uh, people have really a, a big active community thinking about active learning, flipped classrooms, uh, all these approaches where we try to early on bring the students' attention to thinking more broadly about the questions that they, and how to answer them, how to get their own information. Um, and so, I, you know, I've tried to, to do that. And it's difficult. I mean, I, students coming in, at least here, I mean, in, in our college there, I think the average ACT is over 28. Uh, they tend to be, uh, on average, fairly affluent students. So they, you know, they're not coming in with uh, uh, the sort of limitations that you might see at some other places. Uh, but yet we still, they still struggle uh, to really know how to go gain information, how to, uh, do it for themselves, what types of information they need. It's just a big uh, sort of uh, issue. And, yeah. uh, you know, the things we've talked about is, is really uh, think, trying to think about how that process works. What, you know, whatever technique you, you might employ to, to bring that skills to the students, what's the general overlying, the big picture uh, ideas about it? And, and you've, of course, introduced me to to Knowles's work and uh, the adult ed world uh, that I really wasn't really familiar with, but uh, we've talked about that. And, and of course there's the pedagogy world, which you know is, is the K through 12 world in many ways, although people use the same term for uh, teaching people in college and universities. When we've decided that maybe there should be a separation of that, you know, maybe we could uh, think about What's uh, how do we pull that apart and really put focus some attention on this period of time where we really are doing this transition and, and skill sets? And uh, I think you've uh, put the coin the term uh, shulagogy, which uh, you know we have andragogy for adults and pedagogy for for children technically. So uh, shulagogy means, um, as we understand it, um, is from Swahili for college or school. And so right. Goji, you know, right? So uh, I think right. those terms we've, we've put out a couple of times uh, and uh, meetings and things and, and gotten good reception. I think it's really important that we, we sort of as a group and uh, hopefully others will start thinking about how do we, you know, parcel out this, this idea that university isn't just taking pedagogy and extending it. It's, it's really changing the thought process of how we move people to be like right. learners. Don't, and I think in terms of, I mean, this is really relevant, uh, Michael, to the discussion, what's going on today, right? We've seen this immense challenge in terms of um, higher education and, and other learning venues too, just having to adapt to having the education disrupted and moving to this online learning and expecting it to be the same. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, been one of the big challenges just from trying to make online courses, you know. 
um, which we've been trying to do for a number of years. I know a number of places are very successful that, uh, but in the sciences, trying to do it, uh, particularly when you bring in labs and those activities, uh, but trying to make the students understand, um, you know, here's information and we're not just downloading it. You have to go and, and get and locate the information, assimilate it. You have to time yourself and, and, and develop skills. It's a very different skill set, and I think uh, you're absolutely right. This condition that we're in right now, uh, I think, is bringing that home to lots and lots of people, uh, both K through 12 and college, and, and even uh, industrial training. Uh, that uh, you know, just uh, not having someone standing there in front of you all the time right. is a really different world in the way that uh, we're going to to transmit information and, and bring skills to people. So. You said earlier, right, that you're terming this shuagogy, right, because there's pedagogy, right, in terms of more teacher-centered and andragogy in terms of more learner-centered. But how do we move that student, right? What are some of the things that you found, particularly, I guess, in online learning, that help to transition that student um, in terms of the theory of shuagogy? Well, I think that, you know, that that is a whole that theory base, I guess, would be thinking about you've got one level, which are, you know, really early students when you're introducing them uh, at the freshman level or maybe early sophomore level. Uh, I think there's one set of, of things that have to be done there uh, and then trying to move them further. And I guess the, the process starts out just basically trying to introduce them into to how you uh, do the process, you know, how do you gain information uh, think about information. It's not just downloading and facts and, and trying to regurgitate those facts to, to make uh, some type of grade, but that there's this learning. And then what we've seen is that um, in my classes, particularly the, the, the genetics classes are sort of intermediate level classes. And we really struggled there in trying to, to figure out how to convert over from this idea of, well, how, what's the minimum or what do I need really need to do to make the grade, right? Um, and, and trying to convince them that, well, no, there's more to it than that, trying to, to, to broaden it. And of course, you know, people say, well, if you're a good lecturer, they'll do that anyway. And that's absolutely true. Um, and, and, but the, for a broad spectrum of people, students, you have to bring in other ways of thinking about that. Some of the ways we've done that, of course, are uh, bringing in discussion groups, uh, trying to pull students together. Um, we've tried uh, having these new systems where they, they pose a question somewhere that relates to a research topic and then uh, they're asked to answer somebody else's questions. Uh, and, you know, we usually provide some points or something for that. So that gives them a carrot to, to make it where it seems like it's more important to them. Um, and then we work through it. Now, you know, the struggles have been things like the labs. Um, in our, in our lab, even though the, the real face-to-face -face lab is set up in a system where there's round tables and, and two people work together to generate data and, and analyze the data. And, and the idea is that because you're kind of in this table, you talk to people and you, it's peer-peer instruction. Uh, that's worked really well, uh, you know, that yeah. you've gone to that. Uh, when you move that to the, to the online environment, it really struggles to, to make it work because uh, people want to be asynchronous, right? They, they don't really want to sit down as a group. It's, and certainly you can't do that very effectively with large groups. Um, but, you know, you, even if you assign people as partners to work on, on projects and things, they, 
they struggle online to, to do that. And why do you think they struggle, Michael, in terms of working with one another online? Even though in the real world, right, we have to work with one another. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a that's a critical adult skill, right? I mean, right. you're, you're and, and even before adult skill, but um, and, and but that's true lots of times. You know, we we've talked about our own kids going through things like that, and and they're we're in a group, and they always say, "Well, I'm doing all the work, and so and so is not." You know, <laughs> um, yep. we, we, uh, people I certainly see that when we years ago when we tried to do uh, active learning, if you will, you know, trying to break a large lecture section into small groups and let them work uh, together and then come up with an answer and do something. Uh, you'd, you'd have a group of four or five students and it'd be two of them working hard, talking, and the other two or three sitting there doing something else. And uh, with, uh, you know, the new media approach, everybody having a, a laptop or whatever with them now, it becomes even worse. I'm not sure why they won't. I, it, particularly with the lab, it was really interesting that um, the exercises were set up to be completed in about two hours and, and the face-to-face -face labs w working together and talking to other people, they could, you know, appears, they could get the questions answered fairly straightforward. Uh, they get online and sometimes they would tell me it'd take four or five hours to do the same lab. And I'd be, why? You know, well, I didn't, right. you know, I had this question. Why didn't you ask somebody, you know? Um, and that's really, I guess, one of the places I haven't been very successful is really trying to, to get that community structure going. Um, hopefully I would maybe hear from some people about how you would, how you have been successful online to, to make the uh, community work together. Yeah, that, I hope that that'll be one of the topics, uh, Michael, in terms of coming forward, in terms of developing a sense of community. Yeah, it's, uh, and, and, you know, getting uh, cooperation those ways. And it, as I said, it's a critical skill. We all have to interact with our colleagues. Some we like, some we don't like, some we work well with, some we don't, but we always have to work with other people. Uh, and certainly um, much of education, much of science and, and learning has gone to that now. The problems are so complex uh, that we're not just going to sit there with a piece of paper and a pencil and do and solve many of the major problems out there in the world. Uh, we, we are always working as groups uh, to try to answer and direct and answer problems. Right, and we've seen that play out during this pandemic, right, in terms of, of people having to work with one another, for one another, and sharing of information and resources. So there's a perfect example um, of, of how it's, it's very important, right, in today's world. Oh, absolutely. I think, and I think we're going to see that more and more. And again, tied into the fact that, um, this, you know, pandemics are going to happen, events are going to happen, uh, and, and so we're going to be going in and out of these separations, I think, uh, at times, and having to work at a distance, having to, to learn at a distance. And probably, this has probably changed a bit of the culture. I mean, um, one of the things that I was tasked to do for a while was to, to help people uh, convert to some online classes, and, and that was primarily to have some safety, you know, if we had um, snow events or we had um, situations where somebody became ill in the middle of a semester, they would have a way to, to keep that course going. Also, we had um, really wanted to keep students moving through the system and not uh, bottleneck them at some of our big courses. So we would have summer offerings or we'd have uh, offerings that were online that uh, they could take, you know, if they were, if their schedules were too full. Anyway, I tried to work with a, a number of people to, to do that. 
And um, you know, there was a lot of resistance to it. Uh, there was, you know, I don't want my uh, information out there. Uh, yeah. My lectures are out there. Why, you know, or if I, you know, and people worry you know, if I do that, why would you need me? <laughs> Things. Um, because I found, and I think you have too, that teaching online is actually more work than just walking into a 300-seat lecture and lecturing. And, uh, I, and I think the students need you even more because yeah. of what you said earlier in terms of helping them transition, right? In terms of being able to critically think and become more self-directed learners. Absolutely. Shuagoji. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think you're you're right. They they. Uh, they need that contact, and uh, and once they under start to understand uh, how the system works, what they need to do, then they really do come to you quite a bit. Uh, of course, you know that's where things like uh, Zoom and all these other uh, methods to technologies, you know, can really you know really help. Just and sometimes it's a you know it's a ten minute conversation. Sometimes it's a forty minute conversation, and sometimes it's with one person, and sometimes it's with twenty. Uh, but you really do see that they start to to, to need you, uh, and to really think about what you're saying well, once they they start to move forward. Well, I want to thank you for spending some time with us today, Michael. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say before we say goodbye to our listeners? Uh, no, I just hope everyone's doing well, and uh, I, well, I think it's going to be a really interesting time now that we have. That's where I was going with that last statement uh, I got sidetracked myself as I tend to do um, was thinking about uh, you know now that people have experienced online and really almost everybody because right we, we said right. go home go home and teach continue teaching your classes and uh, whether you were doing it you know in the third grade or whether you're doing it uh, to a senior class in, in college um, and so now people have experienced that and I think people will see that there's there is value there um, that the things can provide and that there's ways that they, you can hopefully utilize that. So uh, it'll be interesting to see when we come out of all this, uh, how many people sort of retain some of that. Um, right. you know, and I don't expect, you know, everyone to, then that wouldn't be a good thing. Um, but it would be really interesting. I, I, I can't, uh, I would really like to see what happens as an outcome of that. And I think it'll be in a positive way. I think it'll be positive too also, Michael. I think that some of these tools obviously we can use uh, to make learning and teaching uh, better in the future. And those are our lessons learned from today's podcast. Thank you, Michael. Thank you all. all right. Have a Thank good you. day.